White Rocket Entertainment. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 399. 10, 9, 8, 7, ignition sequence started. All engines are started. We have ignition. 2, 1, 0. We have a liftoff. We have a liftoff and it's lighting up the area. It's just like daylight here at Kennedy Space Center. The second five is moving off the pad. It is now clear to the top. Hello and welcome to the White Rocket Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment in association with all of our great supporters via Patreon.com. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and we are back for our great Game of Thrones special series with only two more to go after this. It's hard to imagine. And I'm joined as always for this Game of Thrones review by my good friend, John Ringer. Welcome back aboard, John. Thanks for having me, Van. Well, John, my voice is not in great shape tonight, but we're going to get through it. We're going to look at episode four, right, of season eight. And this was another one of those where it's interesting. We knew that last week was going to be huge, and it was pretty much wall-to-wall action, the big battle of Winterfell, the long night. This episode, there was suspicion on our part, I believe we talked about, that because it was going back to, I think, uh, Nutter instead of Sapochnik as the director, we thought, okay, this is going to be another deep character episode. And for a while it was, right? For a good portion of this episode, mm-hmm. it was. But one of the interesting things about these longer episodes this season is that they can be multiple things because they're almost mini-movies. So, like, the first two-thirds of this episode was character stuff, and, and I thought very interesting and very entertaining character stuff. But toward the end, it got pretty intense and got some action even going on. Absolutely. Didn't, did not see that coming. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Nobody did. So, um, um, and, and I feel like before we get into the episode, you know, we, we've, we've, we've touched on this a little bit that the non-book-based episodes the last two or three years have been more about doing what's necessary to bring the pieces together, right? I mean, we've joked and joked about how suddenly, you know, various cap characters have developed hyperspace capability or whatever, or, or mm-hmm. jetpacks or teleportation ability, and distances become as distant as they need to be for the plot, you know? It's like, you know, character and realism in a fantasy world reigned for like six seasons. And the last couple of seasons, the plot <laughs> and expediency have determined everything. Um, and and that's what we're seeing now. And so, you know, if, if characters are acting a little out of character or things seem a little illogical more than they used to, I think it's because things are happening now the way they need to happen to get this thing wrapped up. Does that sound right to you? No, a hundred percent. You're hundred percent correct. And if we, and if we don't understand characters, motivations and all of the depth that we would have three or four seasons ago, it's because of that. Yeah. Um, we talked about this, we were talking about this conversation in our, in our family today. Um, mm-hmm. after watching the episode last night that the, you know, in the first few seasons, this it was a meandering story, and it was about the journey. Yes. And in the last two seasons, it's become about the destination. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, George in the books hasn't even started really thinking about the destination yet. He's he's still way out in the, you know, if, if he's driving from New York to Los Angeles in the books, he's still somewhere around St. Louis, just kind of on the back roads. Whereas, yeah. whereas the when when the TV show took over, they they hopped up on the interstate and put the pedal to the metal and said, "We're going to be in L.A. you know very soon. <laughs> There's not going to mm-hmm. be any more. There's not going. We're not going to stop at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> we're not going to stop at the Salt Lake. It's going to no be souvenirs. No, yep. Don't get don't roll up the windows. We're not stopping. Yeah, and and it's true. And so I guess the thing that made me think of that particularly in this case wasn't even a character thing. It was like. You know, the idea that, that the dragons could be flying along and not see an entire fleet of ships about to fire missiles at them. I mean, how do you not see that? I think they, 
they they came around a a cove or something, but if they could get line of sight to shoot, then they should have line of sight to be seen. Yes. So, <laughs> but again, it's like in this in the last few episodes here, you just don't ask too many questions. I, and and honestly, I feel like a lot of people I I've been. I didn't read as many reviews and, and, and synopses and commentary this week as I did last week because last week I just felt like everybody's looking to pick at. You know, everybody's like nitpicking. And I get no, the it. Di- the nitpicking is that in full force, man. Yes, I know. And I get it. I really do. I understand there's plenty to nitpick. And if, if, if how you get your pleasure from this show is doing that, then more power to you. That's fine. You can use it however you want. It's. It goes out to each of us to do with as we will, and that's fine. But it diminishes my enjoyment to start seeing all the, you know, I've said it before, it's like in a different context. It's like when you go, when you're a little kid and you go to a magic show and you want to enjoy the illusion. And I just want to turn my brain off (laughs) and enjoy this epic series of mini fantasy movies. And if I got some kid sitting next to me going, oh, they they have a secret trap door there, you know, that takes away my enjoyment. So again, I'm not criticizing anybody. I, you knock yourself out. I'm just not going to read so much of it right now. I'm not going to listen. I, I didn't even. I haven't even. You know, normally after Game of Thrones, I might go on YouTube and watch. You know the the videos about it. You know, here's eight things you didn't see. You know, and that kind of crap. I haven't even looked at any of that since last night, and I probably won't all week. I just, I just want to enjoy the story, and not not nitpick it and and we don't i don't think that you and i nitpick right you and i discuss it we break it down we look at it but we're not looking to find fault we're just looking to further enjoy it and enhance the experience you know that's right and i think that's what the best shows do like this you know the only one i even listen to is the bald movement and and they do the same thing they have some nitpicking but they they too are kind of in the narrative in the characters and discussing that and that's kind of what i like to do too so okay so first up, what are your what's your immediate reaction to episode four? Did you come away happy, sad, pleased? Do you feel like it's on the right track, the wrong track? What's your immediate reaction? I, it was it was fine. I mean, I didn't love like I told you, I loved episode two. Yeah, and I and episode three was really intense, and I thought, I mean, again, I was fine with the Night King stuff being wrapped up. So and I thought the battle stuff was. Some of it was really, really good, very visceral and stuff. So I enjoyed episode three. This episode was fine. I mean, it was a wrap up episode. It was a transition episode. Yes. And so there was, and but at the same time, they were trying to get a lot of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was solid. I mean, it, it was a solid episode, but not a great episode um, because it's again, it's an in between thing. Um, but I, you know, and the other thing is, I think in terms of how I felt, at the, you know, where with where the story is going, I feel, you know, like they, and we'll get into this. They kind of stirred up the Mad Queen Daenerys stuff. Yes, especially at the end of this episode, that was like that pot was on full boil. Um, so I think that you know, you got that kind of coming and what you know Varys and Tyrion talking about it and John's on his way down and what will he do and so I, I think that I mean it adds this other layer where it's not just all of them against Cersei oh yeah yeah and in fact the more I think about it you know we you and I have talked about how we thought each episode this season would stack up and I think we've been pretty dead on so far mm-hmm and just, you know, part of it was how a story would normally break down. You need two episodes to set up the big battle. And then the big battle against the White Walkers, which we predicted would be first, right? And then you need another episode to set up to transition, which is what happened. And then you have the next battle. It didn't hurt to see the directors listed, right? Because we know that Sapochnik is going to direct the, the action episodes. Yeah. And Nutter's going to direct the, the transition character episodes. And that's played out exactly like we thought. But the one thing I didn't fully appreciate until seeing episode four last night, I've said all along that episode five, which is next week, would be the big showdown with Cersei, and episode six would be kind of the denouement, you know, the the the, mm-hmm. the, the postscript. I now think episode six is really going to be what happens to Danny and what happens to John. Because that was always in the background especially after he told her you know in i guess episode two yeah 
But it, it was always kind of bubbling there for the last few weeks. But that's what this episode really was about. The, the you know, a lot of different, like we say, you know, like you say, they cram a lot in. They, there's no, you know, every episode of this show, especially the last couple of seasons, is like a short story where you have every single word has to be important and mean something. Every scene has to further the plot or further the characters. There's nothing wasted. There's no more setting the tone and all that. Every bit of it is important to moving things forward. But um, what the, the, there was a lot covered in this episode, and it was very much transition. But the through line from the very beginning of this episode to the very end, the through line in this episode was Daenerys getting pushed and pushed and pushed to the brink. She's pushed by John, and we'll talk about that, about how he wants to handle things. She's pushed by Sansa for crying out loud. Can you just not get along, Sansa, for crying you know? Uh, she's pushed by the Northmen who all think John is so great for doing things Danny's done her entire life. She's pushed by Cersei and the and what happens to Miss Sandy. She's pushed by people telling her, no, no, let's wait, let's wait. And she's like, no, no, I want to kill people now. You know, every, she's pushed by t- everywhere that Danny turned around in this episode, she's alone, she's isolated, and she's being pushed, in, in, and, and she doesn't like it. And you could tell at the very end of the episode, she's had enough. And so I understand that we're supposed to be asking the question, is she going to become the mad queen and do bad stuff, and is she any better than Cersei? But honestly, after seeing everything in this episode from the perspective of, well, what if you were her? How would you feel if you were her at this point? I'm like, you know what? Burn them all. Burn them down. I, I'm totally with her right now. Is she crazy? If, if she is, she's got every right to be. She's got an excuse. So what do you think about the through line of Danny in this episode being like that's the main thing that they had to get across to us? I get it, and I don't think it's a one-episode thing either. I think this is something they've been setting up with her for a long time. Yeah. Where, again, like she came – you know, she had built and built and built for a long time to put, so that when she came to Westeros, she could conquer and it would be over. Yes. And she came to Westeros and gave up conquering to go help John mm-hmm. save the world. And she did, and her army got destroyed, and she lost one of her dragons. And now she comes down, you know, they're in a much more even fight. She loses a second dragon. She And this is the other part. She is isolated. You know, she, mm-hmm. uh, her, the two human beings who were closest to her as advisors were Jorah and Missandei. And they're dead. Yep. And so, you know, Grey Worm is a soldier. He's not really like her buddy or anything. No. So I think she is really alone. Yes. And she used to have this connection with John, but John has, you know, <laughs> oh God, given her this, you know, told her that he, <sighs> she asked him to reveal this, you know, to keep it a secret, and he didn't. No, he couldn't. He, he may not be Ned Stark's son, but he is Ned Stark's son. You know, I mean... He's more Ned Starky than Ned Stark. <sighs> yes. I, I'm i sitting there going, did 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 his death well, not teach anybody anything? Well, I, let's be... Here's the difference. Ned Stark kept his son a secret. Kept yes. Jon Snow's parentage a secret. He didn't go and, like, tell people because it was the right thing to do. Yes. Yeah, in other words, even Ned could keep his trap shut over that, and John can't. Mm-hmm. So I like John, but I've liked him less this season because he's been pretty useless and done stupid things. And honestly, Tyrion hadn't been much better. Those are two of my favorite characters, and they've just bumbled around this whole season so far. I, I they, It's just frustrating to me because I want them to do well, and I feel like either they're setting them both up for something good or they've really just kind of outlived their usefulness. So, you know, there was a time when I would have said, if they kill John or Tyrion, either one, I'm going to be furious. And now I'm like, you know, maybe it's time for them to go. <laughs> I, I, I hate I, this. I, I mean, John has a death wish, and he's been wanting to die for a while. But Tyrion, i got to hope, has one more good idea in him. I just, he can't go out on this kind of losing streak. He's really been on a losing streak. My goodness. 
And, um, <laughs> and there's several things we can talk about about that. So, um, the all right. So that we start out. Let's just kind of run through it a little bit and hit the highlights. So we start out. You know, I, I thought burning the bodies was good to show the cost they they paid for the victory, but I thought that that. Um, John gave a really good speech. Like the best thing John has done in a while was that Aragorn type speech there, you know, where he was saying they would never forget the people that gave everything mm -hmm. for the living. I thought that was very well done and, and very effective. Um, and then um, it dissolves into the party. I thought the party was one of the more enjoyable parts of this whole episode. Get, seeing them all drinking and just you, you, you haven't seen them gotten to kind of let their hair down and be relaxed and loose for a while. Things have been tense for a long time. And a lot of stuff came out of that party, right? I mean, we, we, got, a, we got the climax, no pun intended, of the Jamie uh, Tormund uh, Brienne <laughs> love triangle, if you can call it that. What did you think about that? I mean, I was happy for them, but I mean, I didn't, their relationship was fine. It didn't need to go there, but yeah. you know, I, I mean, I was happy for them. Um, Jamie and Brianna, you know, it's been a really good story over the, you know, the last couple of years. And so I didn't like how they, he ended it. Um, yeah. I thought that was kind of dumb, but, um, you know, I, it's fine. Well, again, the the, uh, the narrative Tormund being sad is the funny part. But. Yeah, I I can't. Tormund has become one of my favorite characters, and I I can't get enough of him. I'm afraid we've seen the last of him now. He's going back up north, but he doesn't like it there in the south. I cracked up at that when when Tormund described where they were as the south. I just thought, you know, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's so good. And he's like, you know, this is the north, right? And he's like, ah. <laughs> I thought that was great. I thought that was great. And he took took and he took uh, he took Ghost with him. What did you think about Ghost and and Ghost leaving and going off to live on the farm and, and everything? I mean, I'm I'm happy for Ghost that he's going to go live up. He's not he's going to go live in the woods by himself in the north. But yeah. I, uh, you know, I I was upset at the time that John like didn't go over and hug the wolf and I know and 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 I mean because I just want to say like in the first couple seasons of this show in the first couple of books like when john's at the wall when he's north of the wall uh, you know he sleeps with the wolf to stay warm like they sleep together in the same bed mm -hmm. so he and ghost has saved his life he saved sam's life he's done a bunch of other important stuff and so to the, the but the show gave up on ghost and the other dire wolves a long time ago yeah this was really just and, kind of a yeah an add-on Ghost was a proud member of the Night's Watch, and now his watch is over, just like John. And he gets to go into retirement, and I'm happy for him. But he's so precious. Um, so, okay, we got those that coming out of the party. Um, D Danny at the party, clearly uncomfortable. Sansa just being Sansa, you know, being skeptical, being negative, no matter what anybody says. It's just, you know, at the time, I'm like, okay, this is more of Sansa being Sansa and just, you know, she doesn't trust anybody. And it was setting up her getting the information from, and, and Arya getting the information from John. But looking back on it, it's just more pushing Danny away. Like you say, she's isolated. Mm -hmm. And it, it's like her new allies don't trust her and don't like her other than John. And he has a problem with her now, or she has a problem with him, or, or both. And then her old allies are dead, you know. So, yeah, she's she really is alone. And I felt like everything they did with her in the party scene really was just to emphasize her isolation. Yes, she's trying. She was making an effort there, she but is. it wasn't... Moving the needle a whole lot. Yeah, what do you think about that? She, when she called out Gendry, I'm like, oh god, she's gonna burn Gendry. She's gonna drag Gendry out in front of the dragons and set him on fire, you know, or something. And I thought, surely not, surely not. And instead, she gave him Storms in. So, and and basically, she legitimizes him as a Baratheon, so that the Baratheons are now back to being, you know, a subsidiary of the of the Targaryens again. If that holds up, that's right. That's pretty so, good. I mean, I was excited. Gendry's been a, a, a fun character over the years, and I was happy for him. It was a good moment. 
when everybody's raising their glass to him and stuff. Um, well, but it led it led to his yeah. rush proposal. Right, that's what I was gonna say. So what about that? I mean, when when he proposed to Arya, I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. They're so cute, you know. And then she says no. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so disappointing. They'd have made a great couple. And for about a second and a half, I felt that way. And then I thought, yeah, she really doesn't need to be a lady of anywhere. She's she's an assassin. She's a faceless man, woman. And the thought of her going and being the lady of Storm's End and wearing dresses and needlepoint just does not work at all, right? That's right. No, she's never going to be a lady in dress and fine dresses and hang around the castle hosting people and stuff. That's not her. Right. So, I mean, I think Gendry wants to be with her, and he should have said that instead of, hey, you know, come be the lady of Storm's End or whatever, because that's not, yeah. you know, they could travel the world together killing people, you know. Um, but she, I mean, the other part is she's kind of distancing herself because that's who she is now. You know, I mean, again, she wasn't at the party. She was out there in the dark shooting arrows. Yes. Um, <laughs> Had no interest in the party at all. Mm-mm. And And I like when she hooks back up with the hound. Um, she's basically, he says, I have like a job to do or something, right? And she says, so do I. So uh, unfinished business. Unfinished, you got to think that her unfinished business is Cersei, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand... Letting her kill the Night King, to me, guarantees she will not kill Cersei. She'll certainly try, but there's no way they're going to let the same character do both. There's just no, I mean, that, that would never work in a narrative sense, would it? I don't know. No, I, I don't believe it. I think she's going to have to help. She's going to have to help the Hound kill the Mountain, probably. Yeah, that's more likely. You know what? That's more likely. I can see her contributing to that a lot sooner than I could see her killing Cersei. Because if you wrap this whole series up with one character out of all these different heroic characters, one character gets to gets to kill the Emperor and Darth Vader, you know, more or less. No, that's... Um, that to me does not work in a narrative structure at all. You got to have, I mean, and and what's John for if he or you know, well, eh, see again, you, you see, I don't think John or Danny's going to kill Cersei. I think they'll both want to and they'll both try. <clears throat> um, although John will try to reason with her first. I I think that this is this is what I was getting at a while ago is that I've I've decided that episode six Cersei will already be dead in episode six. And in episode six, it will be straightening out this deal between John and Danny. And so, therefore, they are being saved for that. And so that leaves that leaves basically Tyrion and Jamie, Jamie to decide who kills Cersei. Yeah. And I honestly, the way that the way that Jamie wrapped up this episode, I honestly think he might come full circle and Try to defend her. No. He's going to kill her. Hmm. Well, but I mean, he, he basically cast Brienne aside and said, I'm a bad person and I've always done everything for Cersei and off I go again as a bad person. Do you think that was him alluding to killing her? No, I think he was saying that to Brienne. He couldn't say, like, look... I am a good person and I love you, but I'm going to kill my sister now because she's <laughs> terrible. And if I don't do it, nobody else will probably. So, But don't you feel like it's more likely that Jamie or Tyrion takes her out than that one of the Starks or Danny does? Yes. Yeah. I think it needs to be more personal like that. I would, I, I would feel unsatisfied if Tyrion and Jamie had nothing to do with Cersei's demise and if it was somebody like John walking up, and I just don't. Plus, you know, interestingly, Jamie killed the previous king a while mm-hmm. back. That, he, you know, he could be the Queen Slayer now. <laughs> that would be interesting, um, among other things. Um, so, who are we leaving out? Um, I know we've got a list of things, obviously, but. Uh, when we're still at the party, um, Tormund, hilarious as always, getting drunk and talking about uh, about stuff about and feeling sad that he doesn't get the big woman. 
Um, yeah, I guess. And Davos explained what happened to uh, the Red Woman. What's her name? Yeah, uh, Melisandre. Melisandre, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and and the, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, I did want to touch on one thing. So Tyrion and Varys have a conversation. And did you get the sense from this conversation that Varys is Varys has pretty much given up on Danny and is going to start the start the process of knock of taking her out? Yes, I'm very uncomfortable with that. I I Varys has you know is very clear by where his loyalty lies, and he thinks Daenerys has gone down the road of she's going to basically do King's Landing with the dragon and. He doesn't want that, so he's going to try to stop her. And I think I think what's going to happen is Varys is going to try to stop her next episode, and he's going to die. I 100% think that's what's going to happen. He's going to die? Varys is going to die. You see, I could almost see I could almost see John and Danny triumphant, still not sure what's going to happen to them, and then mm-hmm. like Varys steps up and stabs Danny. No, it's going to be before that because it's going to be the decision about how they deal with Cersei in the city, and and da- Daenerys is going to be like, I'm going to I'm going to take the dragon and I'm going to melt that castle down. And there's nothing left, regardless of how many human shields they have, and and Varys is going to try to stop her. That'll be interesting to see. I am I'm not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to seeing how it plays out because that kind of surprised me and. In fact, if I were Tyrion, I would drop a dime on Varys right now. I would go to Grey Worm and say, you might want to, you know, you, I'd, I'd be like, Grey Worm, you know that Varys guy, the bald dude? He needs to accidentally trip and fall on a butcher knife about 15 times. Or a long spear, you know, that you carry around. So that would be that would be my, if I were Tyrion, I would be like, Varys, it was nice working with you, but you've gone too far now, and I'm going to have to take you out because I can't have this. Well, but also, he he told Daenerys he would tell her to her face when it came to this, so I think that he's going to do that. Yeah, we kind of did, but... Um, so... The whole capturing Miss Sandy, right? We had the the ambush in the water. Did you not think Tyrus was uh, Tyrion was gonna die for a second there when the mask came down mm. on him? No, I didn't think that's how Tyrion's gonna go out. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was if he's gonna fall off the ship and then come ashore, what was the point of having the mask fall on his head? Dramatic, I guess. It just didn't work for me. I'm just like, well, you know, either he's fell off the ship and swims to shore or he falls off the ship and gets hit by a mast and is dead. It was just hard well, for me the, to see both. The reason for the mast thing is so then they could just end the scene and they didn't have to show him yeah. struggling in the water. Where's everybody else? Where's Miss Sandy getting picked up by the bad guys? Yeah. Skip yeah again, pr- uh, for pragmatic sake. Right, right, right. So um, what did you think about the whole Miss Sandy business? She gets captured. They're up on the wall. I, by the way, I, I did like Tyrion coming out and, and engaging in some hand-to-hand verbal combat. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I, it was fine, but again, like, what did he think he was going to accomplish? Getting killed? Like, yes. And, like, again, I, which is, you know, kind of surprising it didn't happen, but, mm-hmm. you know... Did he think Cersei was really going to surrender? Like, um, he that keep, was just—he keeps thinking I, he can talk her into reason, and he's just got. I think that that's what we're building toward. Is I feel like we're building toward Tyrion exhausts every avenue of reason with his sister and realizes she hates him. She doesn't care what he thinks. She doesn't care what anybody thinks, and there's no way to change her mind. He 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 wasn't there yet, but he may be now. So I two things there. One, the interesting thing is Tyrion kept talking about her pregnancy, mm-hmm. and the but Euron thinks it's his baby. That's right. So I, if uh, if Euron's not a complete idiot, he's going to think, wait, how does this guy know about her pregnancy and how long has she been <laughs> pregnant? Ah, that's a good. Point. And maybe it's not my baby, and maybe I should just get out of here. Maybe she's playing me or whatever. But then 
In terms of the Masande thing, it was like, and again, it was it was like Rick on at the Battle of the Bastards. You're not getting him back. Yeah, it's just it's not happening. Yeah. So all you can do is like you know death with honor or whatever, and and avenge him. Like you can't do anything stupid trying to save her. <laughs> no. You didn't have any hostages to trade, so it's what it was. And Tyrion thinks Tyrion seems to be testing how many times he can get his sister to almost kill him and then back down. And this is like the fifth time. It seems like Mm -hmm. he keeps pushing her and she's like, I'm going to kill you. Oh no, I'm not. And so this may be the last time he should try. Again, I, what you're worried they're going to violate a truce or something. I mean, they, these are the people that kill people at a wedding and she blew up a church, you know, so no, no, I, he's, He's well. Remember the 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 ploy of all this. There was a ploy here, which was if we just show up and burn everything down, the people, the small folk, will hate us, and they'll hate you, Danny. But if we show up and are and and visibly try to reason with them and are told no, then the fault lies with them, and we become the law trying to get rid of the outlaws. Right. So they had to visibly make the effort. So that it wouldn't seem like Danny is the bad guy. I just thought Tyrion really took that about as far as you could reasonably take it and unreasonably take it. I get it. Yeah. Um. So she's so um, Missandry is is dead, and she says Dracaris before she dies. Which basically translates into burn this mother down, right? Yeah, I thought that was a. I mean that that as a choice for last words is it was a message to Daenerys to quit screwing around. Yeah, nuke the, nuke the city. Yeah, it's not like Cersei hadn't nuked it already while she lived there. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what we haven't covered. Braun, we got to talk about Braun for a minute. All right, now, I don't know which one of us was right because it was kind of some negotiation going on. You said you absolutely believed Braun would be willing to kill him, and he was. And I said I don't think he would do it, and he didn't. But I think we were. I think it's 60-40 you because I think he would have. <laughs> but I was right, too, that he did look for a way out, and he was willing yes. to take a big bribe as the way out. He didn't want to. He didn't, now, did, was it just me, or did he seem a little out of character in this episode? Or is he just fed up? I don't know. I think he's fed up of being played by this family. Yeah. And he, you know, it, but he's grown. He's gotten smarter. And he isn't going to join their army or whatever. He's going to be just yeah. hanging back, doing his <laughs> thing, not risking his life, and making sure he gets what he wants at the end. But, I'm like, hey, say Daenerys wins and Cersei's gone and it's over. Is she going to – and Tyrion goes, I really need to give this guy Highgardener. He's going to kill me. What's Daenerys going to say? Well, I know. I I kept thinking he's one guy. He he kind of got him with their pants down. He got the drop on him. They could promise him – He could get the, the drop on him again. Well, that, okay. That's fair because what I was thinking is he got the drop on him. He got him with their pants down. They're, they could promise him the moon. And as soon as he walks out that door, Jamie can go over to a, a Stark guard and say – that guy with a crossbow, kill him, you know? Or Tyrion could say that, or, or get a Stark to say it, you know? Um, it just seemed like in that room, you promise him whatever, and then once he's out of that room, you freaking kill him. And you say, well, why would they kill him? Well, he was threatened to kill them. I mean, you know, he's not he's not happy-go-lucky Bronn out to help the Lannister boys anymore. He's taking them for every... I mean, do you see him, did you see this thing ending with Bronn being Lord of Highgarden? Because I don't. No, I do not. No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, although it is kind of a funny thought that he <laughs> in charge of like the ultimate, you know, the the most wealthy. Once the Lannisters have spent all their money, it's like the most in terms of, I guess, agriculture, the most wealthy I, part. It, it it would be funny to see it, and he's right. That's how lords are created. So yeah, that was true. Yeah, I did like that. I liked his reasoning that if you're wanting to say that my rough background and demeanor bars me from being a lord then your your forefathers all get barred as well because that's how they got it you know and that's true mm-hmm. he had some really he got pretty profound there 
I liked how he said, you know, your your forefathers were out there killing people and doing whatever I do so that you guys can prance around in your silk pajamas, you know, and be lords. And that's exactly right. It's truth. That was really good. That was good. Tr- uh, profani- profundity from brawn and profanity. <laughs> um uh, we you, you note here that we had the start kids together for one last time. I is that probably the last time? I mean, Brand staying at Winterfell. I'm assuming Sansa staying at Winterfell. Arya is on the road. John's on the road. I, that's everybody, right? Yeah, and I mean, do you think Arya and John both are making it through the end of the season? Yeah. See, Arya has done her thing now. She's done. The only thing there's, I, I feel like there's two things keeping Arya in the land of the living right now, at this point. One is they want to do something else with her, like what we were saying just now, helping the Hound to beat the Mountain. And God, if the Mountain kills Arya, I'm going to be so upset. I'm going to be so upset if he kills her. I really am. But anyway, I think they're keeping her around for that, and because we all like her so much. But her, where does she go from here? You know, what is she left? What's left for her to do? Travel the world and kill people. I, I guess she kills more people before noon than you than other people kill <laughs> all day. Um, There's lots of bad people out there. There are. I, I, I could see her as like the Batman, the Batgirl mm. of yes. <laughs> Westeros. That's but it. I hope she doesn't die. I love her so much. I don't want her to die, and I hope she can do that or something. Um. So it's the traveling road show with Arya and the Hound again. That's going to be interesting. But I think we know where that's headed, right? There's two episodes left. We know what's coming with that. So click game bowl next episode. Click We're on market And then um, we talked about the ambush in the water and the dragon killed. That blew my mind. I again, this is one of those times where I think the narrative asserts itself. You know, I, I got to mention this real quick. I just this week finished reading Red Shirts by um, John Scalzi. Yes, it's good. I didn't love it as a novel, and it's very short. I didn't love it, but I thought it was an interesting concept, and it really this fits perfectly because really quickly in that book, stuff happens in this sort of Star Trek universe because it's actually a TV show. And the writers need for it to happen, even if it doesn't make any sense. And I kind of felt that sort of thing going on in this episode where <laughs> stuff was happening because the narrative needed it. The, for the thought that that dragon could survive everything it survived up until now and then just get shot down in the blink of an eye told me that the writers said, you know what, we need her to be down to one dragon now, so let's go ahead and take out, you know. And they were, they were able to fit several narrative pieces into that scene, right? You had... Um, one of the dragons dies, more pressure on Danny isolating her and the kidnapping of Missandry, right? So, so yeah. you, they, they were able, they were able to get a lot of things that needed to happen in all capital letters, right? Things that needed to happen. They got several of those into that one scene. If there's, if there, you know, we talked about this before, if there's one thing I admire, about the writing this season. Last season, too, but especially this season so far. We may not love the decisions that they made in the writer's room, but they have been exceptionally successful at getting the things that needed to happen crammed into as few scenes as possible and only slightly feeling like they're doing it because it needs to happen. Does that make sense? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And and I think the a lot of these things are things that need to happen for bigger payoffs down the way. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So So then I'm okay with it. And I'm gonna go ahead and say, by the way, there's no way there's no way that the last two episodes are gonna make everybody remotely happy. You you just can't at this point, right? I mean, there's just no way. Because you know what the most popular seasons of TV shows like this are the seasons that set everything up to fall down. When they get to the point where everything falls down, some people want to fall down this way, some people want to fall down that way, right? We all have our own ideas. What we enjoy is the setup. And so, you know, it's kind of like 
what we enjoy is seeing the presents laid out on Christmas morning. When we open it and it's not what we were really hoping for, then you're kind of like, ah. But what was exciting was when it was sitting there and, you're, and it was wrapped up and you don't know what it is. It's the same kind of thing with television like this. What's exciting is, is the possibilities. It could be what we want, you know, each of us. But I think when we actually see what it actually is, a lot of people are going to be complaining. And I'm already prepared well, for that, and I'm just going to ignore it. Well, what I would say to those people is let go of your pet theories and wants and all that kind of stuff and just enjoy the ride. Yeah, 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 I think so. Um, let's see if there's anything else we haven't mentioned. You wanted to talk about the weapons, the big weapons, the <laughs> scorpions and all that? I just, you know, I, I'm not nitpicking, but the ballistas <laughs> mounted on the front of a ship hitting a dragon in midair was pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so... I, I it was interesting. They were able to outfit the entire fleet with those things. It is it's funny how like time, you know, two days pass in one part of the kingdom while months pass in another part. Again, and, and for the needs of the story, they do that. And so you know, they've had enough time to build all those and outfit them on Euron ships and all that, and on the castle walls. It's like everywhere Danny goes now, there's well, anti-aircraft weapons. There, are, but I mean, again, they've been working on that since she came to Dragonstone the first time. Yeah. You know, uh, from Essos. So, Kyburn's been doing nothing but that since then. Yeah, the 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 Danny side of the of the equation has been working on anti-zombie weaponry, while Cersei's has been working on anti-Danny weaponry. That's right. It's not really fair. Um, let's see. Um, we talked about yeah. We we I think we talked about this. What about the Golden Company? Were they where were they? They non-existent in that episode that's where they were yeah they showed up in an episode one or two just long enough for us to know they're there and then they disappeared and so you know i mean it's a it's an absolute iron lock certainty that in the previously on game of thrones this coming sunday they'll reference the gold company they have to right they'll have to reference where they came from who they are that strickland guy they have to. I mean, it's almost a certainty that they'll show Strickland being introduced. You know, this is the, you know, you're the commander of the of the uh, Golden Company and blah blah blah. So, um, let's see. All right. So, anything else about this episode? We've kind of zipped through all the highlights and the moments and stuff. I feel like we might have missed a couple, but there were so many. They crammed a lot into this episode. No, it was a lot. I mean, I think we. I think we went. Yeah. I think we got it. Yeah, yeah. So going forward, I mean, we got two episodes to go, and I think we're on the same page, right? That the next episode is the big showdown at King's Landing. They got to get that out of the way. I yes. thought, by the way, I thought that the the preview was very economical. They've they've been very good this season about the previews. Usually, come from like the first five minutes of each episode. Yes. They don't give away anything. I don't want them to they, give away. Uh, I that I I haven't even watched it honestly, so I don't want to know. Oh, I, I watched the preview, and it's like you know forty five seconds long, if that, or thirty seconds long. But you get the sense that every scene we saw in it was from like the first five minutes of next week. You know, it's people standing there looking up, people looking at each other, people yelling, but. You never saw combat. You never saw dragons breathing fire. You never saw, you know, it, 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 it's just enough to give you a sense that there's going to be a showdown, but it's not specific. And so I feel like in the hour and 20 minutes or whatever that we have this coming Sunday, I think they're going to totally resolve the Cersei question. Yes. I mean, th- next Sunday when it's over, she will be dead. I think so. I don't think you capture her and put her on trial or anything. I think that maybe that maybe John and Danny do, but I think then Tyrion or Jamie kind of like engineers that she dies on the way to the jail or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe on the way is where the mountain's protecting her, and that's where Sandor jumps on her, and then Arya jumps on him, and then it all, you know, turns into Clegane Bowl with guest star. I'm not sure. What are your what are your predictions for this coming week? And then, and then and then the last one. I mean, again, I think they're setting it up to be. Yeah, I think the Hound and Arya get into the city and try and do a you know kind of a commando raid to take everybody out. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they end up fighting the mountain together. I think there's going to be, you know, John and the army shows up and maybe that's the moment they show up and, and Daenerys is going like, I'm going to go, I'm leaving now to go nuke the city basically. And, um, you know, the, I think there's going to be a real moment where, you know, John has to decide whether he's going to try to stop her or not. Yeah, that's true. Um, or, you know, is he, or he's riding on the back of the dragon behind her as they, as she does it to the city or whatever. So I, um, it's I think that's person. coming. And I think, uh, there's gonna be a lot of, you know, the remaining forces against the golden company kind of stuff. But so I think it's, it's them versus Cersei with this kind of overlaying layer of, Will Daenerys kind of go crazy and and burn everybody alive? And I think there's a chance like that they stop Daenerys, and that leads to kind of this tension in the last episode that you talked about, and and potentially kind of that moving toward the bittersweet ending. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like the last episode is going to be almost entirely resolving the Danny John situation permanently, including maybe one of them getting killed. In other words, yeah. it, it may very well be that they find some accommodation that they're will, they're ready, they're willing to live with, and they're okay with it, and then somebody steps out and kills one of them. I could totally see that, or, or both, honestly. Um, sure. I think it's worth noting real quick, The uh, we thought the Dothraki were completely destroyed. It certainly gave us every indication of that. But when they were doing the little pieces on the board, didn't it look to you like they only took about half the Dothraki away? Mm-hmm. So there may still. I'm just saying, don't be, don't be all like you know. Oh, suddenly the Dothraki appear out of nowhere. You know that we're dead. No, we seem to be getting an indication in that last in in this episode this week that there's still some on the board. We still don't know anything about the Airy, the Vale. They disappeared. <laughs> um, the the Wildlings I, went home. I, I think the the Vale people were with Brienne in the battle, and that's where they they all died. Whatever. So. Okay, so we're down to half the unsullied and a fraction of the of the um, Dothraki and whatever northern forces John could scrape together. Yeah, not a lot, Mm-mm. but the indication seemed to be it was fairly even with the Gold Company and the yeah. and the remainder of the land of the Lannisters, Lancasters, Lannisters. So. All right. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a resolution to the Cersei plotline in a few days, and I'm looking forward to seeing a resolution to the John and Danny and everything else situation the week after that. And we've got two more conversations to come. And man, that last one should be a doozy. Uh, this one won't. This one will be pretty much of a doozy too, probably next week. So, uh, all right. Well, I- I- Yes, I got thoughts. one last thought last that thoughts. just hit me as you said that. Uh-huh. What if Cersei tries to blow up King's Landing with wildfire instead of being taken alive or whatever? I can totally see, and and she ends up being the Mad Queen instead of Danny. Yes, well, I think she already is the Mad Queen. <laughs> I just the question is, is, is Danny I- too? Yeah, it's a battle of two Mad Queens, and and. Danny's not just the mad queen, she's the really mad queen. She's the pissed queen right now. And the and the question no, but, is, you know, yeah, to what depths will Cersei sink? Like you're Cersei, you wait until their armies enter King's Landing and the dragons there and they're all walking up to the Red Keep and inside the Red Keep and then you push the button. Yeah, and then you blame, you say, "Look, the dragon fire, that crazy queen blew everything up." Mm-hmm. You could you could totally blame it all on, <laughs> but but your Majesty, the fire was green. It was dragon fire. Dang it! Yeah, wow. Lots of treachery, lots of interesting twists. I think that we have in store for us in the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, I think that the uh, White Rocket Game of Thrones review show is going to get on out of here for another week. But join us back here in a week, and we will. Um, talk about the battle at uh, King's Landing, I suspect. Thanks so much, John. We'll see you next time. Valor Margulis. What do we say to the God of Death? Not today. Not today. Our patrons keep us going. That's the reason that you get to hear these shows, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can join their ranks and help support our programs and get all sorts of things back as benefits. Over the last uh, few months, John and I uh, of the White Rocket uh, Network, we've given away tons of free books, just mailed them out to people. 
Uh, we have vid- video things. We have special podcasts that only our uh, our uh, patrons can hear for weeks at weeks at a time. Uh, we have quite a few perks. We have fantasy leagues and various things if you like that. And here are the folks that keep the electricity on at the Palatial White Rocket Studios currently. Uh, we have to thank Brennan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burleson, Carl Von Drunker, and Phil Amthor. And then, of course, there's Winston Body, Willie Carden, Susan Trawick, ben, ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then we have David Hegler, Robert Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds Wolf, Joshua Corbett, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, William Glenn Matthews, and Joel Beckham, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, <coughs> Josh Teal, Dave Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, and Dave Powell, and finally, Jerry, Jeremy Minton, Lane Middleton, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, Chris, Wardam Wade, Jason Albrecht, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, John Stubbs, Kenneth Britt Rains, Nicholas Craig, Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Spanky, Brant Rumble, J.W. Rice, Michael Morton, and Lawrence Kane, plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Thank you guys all so very much. And... You may not always out there want to hear the entire list, but you know what? We read the entire list every show that we can because that's how much we appreciate you guys supporting the shows. And for those of you that are not yet a member, you'll get your name called out too. So just go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net, and uh, you'll see the link to become a patron, or you can just go to patreon.com and look up Van Plexico, Van Plexico, P-L-E-X-I-C-O. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.